City Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, special guest Josh Lawrence from Great Commission Ministries is preaching a message from Matthew chapter 16, and the message is called Failure to Thrive. We hope you are blessed by the message today. You guys already know him. He's been here several times. Um, The table in the back that you'll notice is taking up part of our Connect Station is the GCM ministry table. Josh Lawrence and his wife and his kids are all here today with us. And uh, they brought a team of people to run the table. So I want to emphasize, I'm sure Josh will say it again, please, please go back to the table, see what they're doing. Um, There are tangible ways today to get involved. And I know last time Josh was here, I don't know how many, but several of you are already supporting GCM monthly. Um, and it's, it's been a blessing. So Josh will get to share some of those updates and how, those, how the, that giving and how that blessing has affected their ministry. Um, but I want to just say thanks to uh, Josh and Kelsey for being here. Will you guys just give Josh a round of applause? He comes up, shares the word with us. Well, thank you guys. I'm blessed to be here. Would you turn with me to Matthew 16? I was so blessed by the reading of Isaiah 53 today, part of that portion. And, and I think what blessed me the most is hearing the voices of God's people reading at the same time. Really encouraged me. Um, and also, it's Isaiah 53, so such a good scripture. Um, not that there's bad scriptures, I guess. Is there? Leviticus, maybe. I'm kidding. Um, It's always difficult, and I said this last time, maybe some of you will remember, to to speak on a subject that you've given more than, you know, a decade, a decade and a half of thought to. In fact, it was William Still, a wonderful Scottish pastor and writer and preacher, who said it's very difficult to speak on a subject and in an hour, I won't speak an hour, but in an hour that you've given a lifetime of thought and study to. It really is. And, and it's always my temptation to just teach the Bible when in fact on Mission Sunday today it would be good to hear updates and, and, and stuff like that. So I try to do both. Um, I usually fail. I want you to know that. I usually fail and do more of a Bible study. I guess if you're going to fail on either side, that would be the, the right side to fail on. Um, but I hope to do, we actually have a couple pictures to show, um, a, a three-minute video to show, and a 12-second video to show um, if, the, uh, if the team got all of those back there. If not, it's Josh Whitney's fault and not mine. Um, but I'm so blessed by you guys and the body of Christ here. In Matthew 16, the Bible says in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples, they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Here in God's word, we have a, the portion of scripture that is the first mention of the church. Um, the church would be mentioned and is mentioned several times after this. One of the um, things that theologians and Bible commentators and interpreters and scholars would talk about in the study of hermeneutics. And just bear with me for, I don't know, 20 minutes on what will seem to be more of a maybe a Bible college lecture than entertaining preaching. I'll entertain you after 20 minutes, don't worry. Um, but the, 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 the first mention that they often will say is it doesn't provide an entire definition of what the church is or an entire doctrine of what the church is. You need all of scripture for that or in, in, in regards to the church, the New Testament. Um, but in the case of the word worship, that is its first mentioned, and, and, and Abraham saying to the servants who went with him and his son, Isaac, up to Mount Moriah, they kind of stopped there before they hiked it alone with him and his, and his son. He said, just wait here as me and the lad go to worship. And uh, we, we get that worship goes well beyond singing songs. In fact, that may be <clears throat> a very small part to the foundation of worship being obedience. Obedience really is, is where worship begins. And we see this throughout scripture, and I think it's in Isaiah chapter one, if I'm not forgetting, that God even begins to say, I hate your sacrifices. I, 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 don't, I don't appreciate them. You, you, your hearts are far from me. Your lips worship me, but your hearts are for, from me. So it is possible and happens even today that people can be singing songs, even on a Sunday morning, not you people, of course, um, about how they love God, but their hearts are far from God. Their hearts are in disobedience. They could be um, in habitual sin, such as addiction to pornography or whatever the case may be uh, that is running pervasively through our culture. And um, so the beginning there of understanding worship towards a foundation, not an exhaustive way of teaching what worship is, is worship is obedience. Here we have the first mention of the word church, that word ecclesia. Um, you probably, if you've been in uh, a Christian for any number of years, have heard that this means the called out ones. It does. It does. But as you build a doctrine... Um, of what the church is, uh, which is ecclesiology. That's the study of the church. When you build a doctrine, you need so much more of the New Testament to really give us a definition of what the church is. Um, and certainly I couldn't cover it today. But um, probably a better understanding of it in defining it throughout the doctrine of understanding it through scripture is it is a assembly of people. 
an assembly of God's people, assembly of people who are called out from the world. That would be the best word to describe it, assembly. And the reason for that is because of how many times in connection to the word church, the word assembly is used in the New Testament, such as Hebrews chapter 10 when it says do not forsake the assembling together of believers even so much as you see the day of Christ approaching Um, in fact before that I think the verse before that it mentions that we are to gather uh, together to stir each other up in love and in good works therefore do not forsake the assembling so that word mentioned twice just in a couple verses in a command to God's people never to forsake the assembly together uh, of believers. Um, now what's interesting, and, and, and I want to talk uh, kind of lightly on this, I don't want to give strong opinions of mine, but on um, some related topics on the attack upon the church, especially as we saw it a few years ago when the governments told us not to meet, and many of the governments throughout the world deemed uh, localized gov- and states said the church was not essential, such as in California. And, um, and then you guys know the news, I'm sure, um, that uh, strip clubs were essential and liquor stores and, and so on and so forth. Um, they're not essential at all. Uh, we are essential. In fact, uh, w- without the church meeting, significant damage comes upon the world. And so... What was so demonically ironical about the reasons that the world's governments in a globalized satanic effort, I believe, to uh, not have us meet, the the demonic irony is they said if we loved each other, we wouldn't meet. And in Hebrews 10, it says the reason why we meet is to stir each other up in love. And, and And then... I, I believe we've never seen a, a day of Christ approaching like we have today. And, 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 they, and they try to get us not to meet. The Bible says when you see the day of Christ approaching, make sure you don't stop meeting. Very demonically ironical that that would happen in our, in our generation. So it is an assembly of God's people. And we have that first mention here uh, that kind of gives us a foundation and we build doctrine upon that foundation of what the church is. And you're going to see that, um, and I'm sure you guys are taught that. I, I'm very blessed by this morning so far uh, uh, in terms of your emphasis on missions. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I'm a missionary. And um, to, to hear Philippians 4, I, I, I've shared that dozens and dozens of churches across the United States. Um, I think biasly also, but it's probably the best biases we can have is biblical biases. Double B, you know. Um, and, and, and I found, you know, I haven't heard read back because I'm usually the one reading. When, when Reverend Whitney shared that today, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The vicar, Whitney, shared that today. No, I'm kidding. kidding. Is that, it said, you're the only church that gave to my needs in this missionary efforts. That's interesting. What an indictment upon all those churches of the New Testament. That's not good. Uh, And and Paul, in my also opinion, the greatest missionary who's ever lived. I mean, it just, 
the, the incredible, I mean, Paul said in Romans 16 that his work, the, the, the work of Christ that he was doing was done from Jerusalem to Illyricum. That's remarkable. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to say that about Kenya. And uh, I know there's some things there to, to, he probably, to extent, was shaking the dust off his feet for those who rejected the gospel. But nevertheless, it is a statement that he shared the gospel probably in about every corner of, the, of every village and every place in that entire region or a series of regions. And, uh, and it was just the Philippian church that was given towards that effort. And there is reward in heaven for those at the Philippian church, at the Bema Sea Judgment, certainly. One of the foundations, of the reason why we meet um, is worship. We meet to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. William Temple, that great Archbishop of Canterbury, said this about worship. It's about one of my favorite definitions of worship I, I've ever heard. Um, worship, I, I, I want to start reading it, but there's a sneeze coming on. It's gone. Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It's the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of his will, to, or the surrender of our will to his purpose, all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, worshiping our Lord. Um, and it is important that we know we come to worship um, when we have that discovery, that personal discovery, which is essential to each Christian, that we are not gathering together for any of us today, which is incredible because the ministry to us now becomes a byproduct of doing the main ministry that we have, and that's worshiping Jesus. And it always is that way in God's kingdom. He who seeks to gain his life will lose it, he who seeks to lose his life for Christ's sake will gain it and will gain a foreverlasting life. If you make church about you, you will probably inevitably stop coming to church. Um, if, if church is about Christ and, and, and encouraging and building up his people, then you'll find yourself increasing in your faithfulness to church. We need to have that understanding. Church isn't about us. It's not about coming here with the primary motivation of being built up and encouraged and receiving ministry. All great things that happen for us, but it is uh, about Jesus Christ and worshiping him. The title of my message is Failure to Thrive. Today, um, this isn't the first time I've taught it. It's just a few times I've taught it, and I, but I just came up with this title because there has been actually a medical term associated with babies, babies. And, and one of that is failure to thrive. When babies are born, oftentimes orphan babies, whatever the case may be, and they are not being cuddled and kissed and snuggled and all these things that happen that minister to them spiritually and emotionally that they have even cases where babies have died even if they're receiving physical food and water. It's called failure to thrive. We knew this about babies, um, and 
But the discussion in, in adults came strongly in failure to thrive during COVID, when people were being isolated, especially from their community groups. And then we know the churches. Uh, uh, certainly the, the greatest group that can gather. In fact, the church is the only place that exists for the benefit of its non-members. And you, you, you see that when that happened, we started talking about failure to thrive, especially in conv- convalescence homes. Maybe some of you saw the videos where people who had been married for, I mean, 60 years in some cases, 70 years, were being held back from embracing each other in, in, in convalescence homes. And anybody see some of those YouTube videos? It was tragic. It makes you angry, actually, to watch it. Um, if somebody was, um, it's getting serious now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> If, if, if somebody was holding me back from, from embracing Kelsey, I would probably try to kill them. I don't know. Hopefully God would give me the strength not to have a bad reaction, but that would be terrible. It would be awful. You've been with this, this woman as your wife or, or this husband um, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and now there is staff members of a nursing home back it's it it was terrible to watch mental illness skyrocketed pedophilia skyrocketed teenage pregnancy skyrocketed not just in america throughout the world throughout the world suicide skyrocketed divorce skyrocketed sexual immorality skyrocketed In Japan, during uh, 2021, there was one month where more people committed suicide than all the COVID deaths of 2021 in Japan. It was projected that if the lockdowns were to continue, that 100 million people would starve to death. And millions of people did starve to death because of the lockdowns. Now, each life is valuable, and I understand we probably all know somebody who died of, of COVID, but uh, it was, um, and I don't say this lightly, but just over a million people died of, of a COVID-related illness, illnesses. So when you compare the tragedy that hit our world when the church stopped gathering, it is significant. It truly is. And here we have this first mention in I don't have time to do an exposition, but Jesus Christ, he, he says, uh, who do men say that I am? And some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, our Lord's ministry, was very similar in their preaching. Uh, John the Baptist would say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus said initially, repent. And he would say throughout his public ministry, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus had many miracles. This is maybe why they associated him with Elijah. Also, there was prophecy concerning Elijah that he would return. And uh, the Jews believed that, uh, or uh, a segment of the Jews. Or maybe Jeremiah, the isolation-type ministry that Jesus had, often by himself in the mountaintops and in prayer and all these different things. Maybe he's Jeremiah, and, and he wept you know, uh, over Jerusalem. Jeremiah was weeping all the time. Um, and so they said, maybe you're this. Then he says, who do you say that I am? And just, just so you know, your grandmother's faith can't save you. <laughs> you know, your mother, your dad's, you must know Christ. The Bible says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And he asked that question, who do you say that I am? 
And Simon says, Simon Peter says, you are the son, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. God was speaking through Peter. Peter didn't even really realize it, I don't think. The father had revealed to him this significant life-altering truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the, the promised one, the prophesied one, the savior of the world. And I don't believe Peter realizes that God is speaking through him because um, he would mess up just in a few short verses later that, that he was trying to talk Jesus Christ not to go to the cross. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't think of the things of God, but the things of the devil. So in one sense, the Father reveals to him who Christ is, and the other, he's speaking what he believes is right, <laughs> which is always a problem. We need to reveal what God shows us um, through his. When we speak truth, it is God speaking through us because all truth is his. He reveals what truth is. We don't intuitively know it. Nobody has the intuition of truth based on any of their faculties, not intelligence. Not, not some sort of, uh, uh, of any type of personal ability. You don't know truth except God revealed it to you. He reveals it to us through his word. And our Lord does a few things. There's, there's, there's three major points I'd like to say. It's Jesus is the head of his church. Number two, Jesus has absolute authority uh, four major points, excuse me. Three is the church is primarily offensive and four, we must follow what's prescribed. Um, Jesus is the head of his church. He would say in other parts of the New Testament in Matthew 28, as it was mentioned earlier, Jesus Christ says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In fact, there was another scripture mentioned as we were praying about um, not giving in to our fears is that, that we have the power over fear. And that is a word that is very significant. And we can mention that word without uh, being charismatic Pentecostals. We have power. It's very important to that. When we consider, now we have power in Christ. I don't want anybody to, to think I'm uh, promoting that there's power within ourselves. There's power with us because Christ is in us, uh, the Holy Spirit is in us. And so it's important that we constantly remind ourselves the power that we have as the church. And, and, and it's so important because we can get so intimidated by the world, so intimidated by the government, so intimidated by um, financial threats, you know, whatever the threats may be. Uh, I don't know if, you know, Pastor Joel or the leadership here felt intimidated when the government uh, was saying what they were a couple years ago, but I sure felt intimidated in Kenya. They came in with AK-47s. I don't want to dramatize it. They didn't point them at us, but they said, don't have church next Sunday holding AK-47s. And you're sitting there and you're just like, golly, what is going on? This is incredible. But we have power over fear. We have power as a church. 
in Christ. We need to remember that Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he has all authority. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, it says that, that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. In Philippians chapter 2, it says heaven and earth and those under the earth. Um, and, and it says it in regards to the theology of the incarnation, the, the theology of Christmas right there in Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. You guys know the scripture. It's just, it's remarkable as it describes the condescension of Jesus Christ. Nobody's is greater than him. Nobody is as amazing in him. And that he left a place of um, indescribable worth and beauty to come to a molehill, you know, to a maggot world of lower life forms and like us to, because he loves us. It's an incredible reality. You know what's interesting in Philippians 2? The reason why he is saying this is to encourage the Philippians to not be in disunity at their church. It's like, listen, here's a reason why you guys should not be divisive. (laughs) Jesus Christ condescended. He came down. He preferred uh, his father's will and us above himself. It's incredible. It's like, well, that's that's the card of all time. Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth. But I love the, that every knee will bow of those in heaven, of earth, and those under the earth. So he's the Lord of heaven, he's the Lord of earth, and he's the Lord of hell. Amen. And guys, these demons are going to bow before him. Satan is going to bow before him. Um, I'm going to bow before him. Joe Biden is going to bow before him. Nancy Pelosi is going to bow before him. And I don't say that casually. I'm not trying to, I hope people get saved. But whether you're saved or you are, I choose to bow today. Some will just bow when they see him the first time. And and he has all authority. We need to overcome our intimidation with the reality that the most powerful thing the, the, the world has ever seen, the church possesses. And that's the truth of God. We get so intimidated. You know, people start talking about... Uh, uh, you, you know, I, I don't, you, you remember what happened during COVID? It's, they, the toilet paper in America was finished. <laughs> what were you people thinking? We did not have that reaction in Kenya, you know. We kind of focused on food more than toilet paper. <laughs> and you, you see what was going on, and, and then there's this, you know, the government's clever, guys. They, they're like, we can be those good old boy Christians like, we're not going to back down. And then they're like, oh, yeah, but you won't have food to eat with you and your family because we'll take it from you. And then we got to realize that the hardships that can come upon us are much greater than we've seen yet. And still, and still we must realize that we should not be intimidated by a weaker force. We shouldn't. You guys have probably experienced it, going up to a stranger to share the gospel and how nerve-wracking that can be. Or sharing it with a family member who is hostile towards truth. You know, and we get so intimidated, we need to realize that nobody is more powerful in the room than he or she who speaks truth. And Jesus Christ is our great example. In John chapter 18 with Pilate. 
Pilate says, you don't have the power to crucify you. Jesus Christ said, you would have no power except it's been given to you from above. And in John 3, and I know I've shared this before here, in John 3, um, Jesus Christ says he came from above. And in John 3, it says, John the Baptist says Jesus Christ came from above. So in John 18, he's saying, that I gave you your power, Pilate. I gave it to you, and I could take it away if I want. And nobody takes my life, but I lay it down. You know, one of the significant reasons for prophecy is given to us in the Gospel of John. He's, he's like, Judas is going to betray me. This one right here, who I give the bread. You know why he says that to his disciples? So that they know, after it's all said and done, and Jesus Christ has died on the cross, and all these things are happening, that Jesus, he's like, he told us this would happen. Judas doesn't have power over Jesus Christ. He told us it was going to happen. He didn't get one up on Jesus Christ. We need to understand that Jesus is the head of his church and he has absolute authority on earth. And, and when we feel intimidated, we, we need to remind ourselves of that truth. We need to remind ourselves of that truth in the days that we live in. You know, thirdly, the church is offensive. It's offensive. It says here that Peter was given the keys of the kingdom of God. Now, I know I'm running out of, uh, of time, and I, I want to talk about Africa in a minute. So five more minutes on the Bible study. Jesus is, is, is telling Peter, you got the keys to the kingdom. And obviously this has been mistranslated that there's an apostolic succession that Jesus gave Peter the right to be the first vicar of Christ and the mediator and the Pope and all these things that are not true. This most likely means that Peter was given the keys to unlock the door for the church. Um, essentially that's the summary especially in evangelism, when he shared the gospel on the day of Pentecost, where 3,000 were born again. He was the first one to share the gospel on the day of Pentecost to the Jews, and he was also the first one to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was given this amazing privilege by our Lord and God, the Father, to get the key to open a door that the rest of God's people can walk through and become the body of Christ. Because the context is church, by the way. And, and, and this, the, 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 the key died with Peter because it remains open to the world. And listen, guys, another door is closed. You, you've, you ever heard those terms, those cliches that we say, where one door shuts, another door opens. You guys have heard that said before. That's based on some biblical uh, bibliology. Some, uh, in that John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11 was, I think, offended with our Lord. He was discouraged. He's in prison. He, he didn't doubt Christ being the Savior. And it do to the world as the Christ. But he says, hey, are you the one or we look for another? Why am I still in prison? He says, well, listen, the, the lame... Uh, walk and the and the blind see and the deaf hear and uh, blessed is he who's not offended with me. It's my will be done, not your will be done, John the Baptist. Then he turns to the crowd and he gives us this this teaching. He says, John the Baptist is the greatest ever born amongst men, but he who is uh, least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. And then he talks about. Um, 
that uh, I, I don't have time to really get there, but that, that the prophetic ministry as it pertains to the Old Testament is ending. It's ending. And, and, and the, in the sense that the revelation of God had to come upon the prophets or those who God chose in the Old Testament to reveal to him his word and his will to the Jews. That's not going to happen anymore. I'm writing the word of God. We're establishing the church. We're moving forward. This door of the prophets of the Old Testament is closing with John the Baptist. John the Baptist closed because he who is least is now as great as he who's the greatest because we are all given the special privilege as God's children, as the church, to share the revelation of God with the world, which was unique to the prophets of the Old Testament. So God's closing a door with John the Baptist and giving Peter the keys to open another door that remains open today because the church is alive and powerful. That's what's going on here. So when I say in this third point that the church is offensive, it says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's not saying that as the hordes of Hades and hell and demons and principalities and powers are knocking on our gate, that we will remain strong and won't be broken, which is also true. But here in context, that we as the church go out into the world and we beat down the gates of Hades and they will not be able to stop us. That's what it's saying because these ancient cities, would, they would build walls around the city to fortify themselves and then a very strong gate so that when opposing armies would come, they would have to break through the gate first before they could conquer the city. So here they would have understood we as the church are going into the world. We are going into the world. This is Mission Sunday, right? We go into the world because we have the power through Christ and his truth and the Holy Spirit and his power and they ain't going to be able to stop us. Listen, Portland is no match for Jesus Christ. Bath is no match for Jesus Christ. But what stops his work from going so often and and I'm I'm not saying his will will be done is that we get intimidated that we don't go out and do what we're supposed to be doing through, I think, a lot of fear, a lot of reasons. If we were to take a, a poll now just amongst us, I don't think any of us as Christians would say, I don't want to share the gospel or make disciples. But so often we're not joining in in the work that we need to be joining in on. The church is offensive and we need to understand the power of God's truth and the power of God's spirit. Lastly, we must follow what's prescribed. It says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing is what's not permitted and what's permitted. They would have understood this because the priests of the temple in the Old Testament, they were the ones that allowed and did not allow the, uh, what was to take place in their worship of Yahweh, in their worship of Jehovah, Uh, of God in the temple. They were given a prescription from heaven. And by the way, some people wrongly interpret this that we guide God through what is permitted in the church. (laughs) 
because it says whatever we bind on earth will then be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will then be loose. No, no. Probably the best, even in the, the Greek understanding of this, is what's been bound in heaven will be bound on earth, and what's been loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. Because all authority begins with God, not with man. And, and so that's what's going on here. That's a better translation of that. Um, now, there is a very specific doctrine, I believe, here that, we, that, that, that what's being said. So they would have understood, okay, it's the priest. It's the priest. They bind and they loose. They permit and they don't permit what happens in temple worship. That, that's going. You remember that, that God... I told Joe before this, it's like, I never, I never go over time. Oh, my. Never say never again. If we learned anything from Fivel, we know not to say never. Thank you for understanding what I just said. I look at this younger generation. They don't know Fivel goes west. We must follow what's prescribed, and... These guys would have understood, to cut it short, that they are now the priest. In fact, a specific thing going on, I think the apostles who are establishing the church. Nadab and Abihu were killed for mixing the incense incorrectly. What was not permitted, what was not prescribed, what was not given to God by his authority of what they should do in the temple. And listen, guys. The New Testament has given us by the apostles' doctrine what the church is. And that's what's going on here. And I think through the New Testament, we get to see through the authority of heaven and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as it filled the apostles to write the New Testament. And through that, we have the pillars of truth, which is the pillars of the church. Acts chapter 2, in summary, the church is pastors, elders, and deacons, that oversee corporate prayer, corporate fellowship, and corporate Bible study with the ordinances of baptism and communion. And if you're missing one, you do not have a church. Now, I want to end the study to say one of the great reasons we started GCM is not just to do what we love doing, and that's to save orphans and help women and to drill wells and preach the gospel and plant churches, all these things we're doing. But it's because we see that the church has been abandoned in many areas in third world missions. And if the church needs to take its proper place back in the mission field. It's that, it's that missionaries, guys, you would be shocked at how many missionaries don't attend a local church. And I think mostly because they don't understand what a local church is. You'd be surprised how many children's homes that we in America support. And those kids don't go to church. And that is part of the reason, guys, we don't think church at home is church. You're not having church when you're in pajama pants watching a, a, a study on television. That is not New Testament ecclesiology. It does not happen. And the, the Great Commission ministries ex, exist for many reasons, and we're saving orphans, but but so that these kids can be discipled in the local church. They can be plugged into the body of Christ. 
There's a lot going on with Great Commission Ministry. Some of these videos I want to show you, if we can play that first one, I think it's like four minutes, the one we originally said of Maya and Jadu. Just a few weeks or a month ago, we received two kids that we want to show you that we saved, uh, that God saved through us, if we can watch the video. You are not hidden never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear your rest your house parent, Franco. Hello there. My name is Peter Odoyo, um, the director of GCM East Africa, uh, headquarters here in Eldoret, and we are so delighted that God has given us this ministry so that we can go out there and reach out to many, many more people. We are so grateful to God Uh, This past Wednesday, God allowed us in his providence to bring in two kids. Uh, One is a girl. Her name is Maya. Maya was brought to a rescue center when she was two months old. She's now eight months old. And we thank God that we are able to bring her in. Also, uh, the boy is Jaden Solomon. Jaden was left on the street when he was one year now he's four years old and we are really thankful to God that we were able to rescue these kids and we are with them as it will be shown to you the images you'll see these kids we covet your prayers pray for these kids pray for the parents that would be taking care of them and also pray for GCM that God will continue to give us wisdom and resources on how to best care for them and to reach many other people um, as God will allow us to be. So thank you so much for those who have been praying for this ministry, praying for these kids and also praying for the house parents. The Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. show pictures of sad kids on purpose. Uh, When we picked Jaden and Maya, they both had infections, terrible blood and bacterial infections. We had to admit them into the hospital immediately. Jaden was literally put on the streets, thrown on the streets at 12 months old. Um, Maya uh, left uh, next to the rescue center when I think the video said when she was four months old. And Maya had to have blood transfusions immediately because of uh, blood infection in her body. And 
you know, now they're in our, we call it our Genesis home. We don't know how many we'll get through, but we're naming each house after the books in the Bible, starting with Genesis. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get to Revelation one day. Um, but what broke my heart so much through the 12 years that Kelsey and I have lived there is that so many children's homes now exist without the emphasis of gospel and discipleship through local church. They don't go to church, guys. I, I'm talking if I, I would almost bet money on it. Um, I'm not a gambler, but I would almost bet money that, that, that probably 80% in the third world of those who are being saved and put in children's homes, they don't actually go to a real New Testament church. They say, oh, we do church in the children's home. No, you don't. Not unless you have the six pillars. Not unless pastors, elders, and deacons are overseeing corporate prayer, corporate Bible study, and fellowship with baptism and communion. You don't got church. You know, I have so many convictions about church. I cannot go through singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs without singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And, and, and I was really blessed. You guys sing very well, by the way. You, most of you are all singing during the, the service. I, I appreciate that. Even when I don't feel like it, we have to sing. <laughs> like, because, and I don't want to, to think of some sort of superstitious thing. I believe there is a supernatural blessing to participating and what God is doing through local church and what's been prescribed by the apostles' doctrine, having given the authority by the Holy Spirit. I, if we don't take part in this, you will fail to thrive. If you don't join your voices and you leave here, you will fail to thrive out there. You know, um, if you don't pay attention to the word of God and submit to the authority of God's will, word, you will fail to thrive. If you don't assemble each and every week, you will fail to thrive as a Christian. It's like having a bee without a hive, a football player without a team, an engine without wheels. If, you're in, if you don't assemble together with God's church and take part in all forms of worship that the New Testament has prescribed, you are an engine without wheels. You may have the, the, the opportunity to be powerful, but you ain't going nowhere. And that's why GCM exists. It's that we can help people. You can't be in Africa and not want to help these kids. While understanding the first Sunday that these kids were in our Genesis house, they were at church. There's on my way here this morning, I got two pictures. We are rescuing these kids, Naomi, Naomi and uh, what's his name? Forgive me, guys. And Musa. Tomorrow, we're rescuing two more kids. Can we see the other picture? These kids. Nine and ten years old, though malnutrition, they should be bigger. They're brother and sister, and they were abandoned together. And they will be joining the Genesis house tomorrow. Let's give God a praise for that. And just a 12-second, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Give me 60 seconds. 12-second video. I want you to see what God's doing at our church. If you, did you ever get that video? All right. Josh. That's our church, guys.
There we go. Many people, have, uh, most of those people who go to our church have been born again right at church. There's been a, 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 a kind of a localized revival for us. And, you know, I'm here on a mission Sunday. I, I, you guys are well taught and, and ecclesiology is a big part of Joel's heart. I know that. But understand that we need to have a revival of ecclesiology. As the Protestant Reformation was a revival of soteriology, we need to understand who we are once again. And we need to understand that gospel and discipleship is the reason why we go out and, and uh, go to the third world and share the gospel. If you can find it in your heart today, go to the table, guys, you can give 30 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, $2 a month. We don't care. But you pick up a card either for the general giving or you can pick up a card for the Hope Home itself and 100% of your donation will go to that. If you can find your heart, just join, join us. Help us be that army that you send out financially through your giving to rescue these kids. And we'll be at the table to... to uh, to be there to, to, to hope you guys uh, will partner with us. As I close, the worship team is the worship team. Whoever's supposed to come up, come up. Let me re- read this to you. Jesus Christ, um, oh wait. The church is described in John 6 as the love gift from the Father. The church is an act of love by the Son by purchasing the church on the cross, which speaks of its incalculable value. The church is the kingdom of God. The church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The church is the steward of divine truth. We are the pillar and ground of truth. The church is the best taste of heaven we can ever have before getting there. The church is the gathering of true believers, listen to this, who have no confidence in the flesh. The church is the fellowship of the saints. We stimulate one another to good works. We love one another. We use our spiritual gifts to build each other up. The church, therefore, is infinitely more important than all human kingdoms, all human organizations, all human leaders, human educators, human politicians, and human rulers. The church is the living body of Christ in the world, and on Mission Sunday, the church is the launch point of evangelism and discipleship to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this church that you have established pastors, elders, and deacons that oversee corporate prayer and fellowship and Bible study, that we have seen baptisms, and that now we will take communion. And I pray once again that you would bless our fellowship as we depart and and as we close our service here with communion and worship. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.